welcome into Southeastern Fly, and thanks for pushing play on this mid-month edition of the podcast. Remember, we have a new podcast group on Facebook. It's called uh, Fly Fishing Podcast by Southeastern Fly, and uh, because our other group got hacked, and it was just better to start a new group than fight through all that stuff that was happening, trying to keep the old one going. So if you have not uh, joined that, our new group, just search for pod, uh, Fly Fishing Podcast by Southeastern Fly. Look for our logo in blue and gray with the dry fly, and uh, just click join, and we'll let you in. As long as you got a fish picture or an outdoor picture or something, we'll let you in. If not, we'll scrutinize it and just see if, if you have any friends or anything like that in fly fishing. It just surprises me how many people are trying to get in there that don't have anything uh, to do with fishing, and it looks like they've got two pictures and no other information. So those, those are the ones that we're scrutinizing now. But anyway... Subscribe or follow wherever you push play on this podcast, and you'll be the first to know when an episode drops. If you want to support the podcast, uh, just go to southeasternfly.com and make a purchase at the store of a, a hat or a T-shirt. T-shirt sizes, remember, always go up one size when you're ordering. That's what I've been finding. Either either the shirts are getting smaller or I'm getting bigger, but anyway. So what are we going to talk about today? We've got some topics, some questions from the mailboat mailbox. We're going to... Uh, Talk about uh, leaders and tippets and midges, nymphs, or streamers for the winter. And we had a question about uh, fishing for stock trout or smaller natural trout, which is going to be very interesting. So let's get rolling. I am in for the winter, what I consider winter, which is about now about three weeks in December and a little bit of time in January. Hopefully, boat is in the garage and sitting on the trailer I did get a new seat uh, for the rower's bench, rower's box, whatever it is. It's a box, I guess. Got a new seat for that that's uh, pretty cool looking. I'm still trying to decide if I like it or not. I haven't mounted it yet, but I'm thinking I'm going to go ahead and mount it, try it out a couple of days uh, on the water and just see how it goes. Hopefully, I can get out here. I don't know. Try to get out with some friends here if I can make that happen uh, with Christmas going on and all that. It's a little bit. A little bit more of a struggle to line up calendars and that sort of thing, but I will give it my best shot to get out there. It's been pretty nice to sit uh, sit at home and just do what, quote, unquote, normal people do on the weekends and with their friends and in the evenings and that sort of time sort of thing. But uh, let's go to the mailbox. So we got some questions from the mailbox and Stan texted me the other day and said, hey, David, what's a good rule of thumb? for the length of my leader and tippet. And so we're going to assume I made the assumption that Stan knew what size, you know, which, which, which X he needed to be fishing on the river that he was fishing. And fish is a little bit of a more, it's more of a freestone than a tailwater, you know, like the general Southern tailwaters around here, middle Tennessee and East Tennessee, a little more gradient than those. Uh, so if I go to a newer river like that, or I'm, find myself just kind of as a good general rule of thumb. If I've got, I'm using a nine foot rod, I'm going to have about probably 11 foot ish leader plus tippet. So 11 foot, maybe a nine foot leader, a couple feet of tippet. If you're using a bobber and you want to make sure that uh, you keep that bobber on uh, when the, if the line happens to break, you get hung in a tree or something like that, put it above the knot uh, above the tippet. And uh, as you as you go down in size from the leader and the tippet, the tippet breaks, you still have your bobber. So 
that uh do the same thing with hoppers and stuff like that if i'm fishing hopper droppers or even dries i mean you can get away with a little bit bigger if there's enough gradient you can get away with a little bit bigger leader a uh, bigger diameter leader and tippet sometimes than what you actually think we all have to go down to to uh 7x all the time so a little little more clarity in the water you might want to go down a little bit in size but as far as length goes stan i would say couple feet longer than whatever rod you're using uh as a good starting point again if you're if you're, it's a windy day i know we all have all heard me say if it's a windy day i try to lengthen the the butt section or the mid section so i you know make my own leaders and stuff like that just for those situations it's interesting that sometimes you can see the difference almost right away whenever you lengthen lengthen something shorten something or give a bigger diameter in the butt or the midsection. But the other day, not too long ago, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, it seems like, but time flies. So I could be totally wrong. It could have been a month ago. It was, it's been pretty windy here. And uh, we we had, we were having some trouble with somebody casting. Won't go into details about that, but they were just struggling a little bit. They're barely new at it, at fly fishing. So I lengthened the leader up a little bit in the midsection. Immediately, I could tell a difference, and not always, but every once in a while, somebody will just turn around from the front seat, front brace up there, and just say, "Wow, what did you do?" You know, lengthen that midsection up, put a little longer midsection in it, a little bit less tippet section in there, and and it just turns the fly over easier. So, a lot of people know to do this, but not everybody does. You know, practice your knots so you can you can make those adjustments on the water. So that's a good question, Stan. Appreciate you. Uh, texting that to me i got an email from james uh this one is interesting all it really said was hey david nymphs midges or streamers in the winter question mark and (laughs) so i'll just say james all of the above that's probably the easiest way to say it so a couple things to just couple general rules of thumb lower water which we may have some lower water spells here through this winter for a while anyway because we're not getting a ton of rain we didn't get a ton of rain in the summer not a ton of rain in the fall so especially these tailwaters around here some of the freestones uh, are going to have a little less water in them but let's talk about the tailwaters with less water uh, you're going to find opportunities to fish dry droppers with midges uh, a little bit and i'm going to try some of that maybe a parachute dry fly with a small midge uh, and just fish the faster moving water as much as you can. That's a good technique to work on. It's kind of tough at times, but it's something that you need to, it's, a, it's an arrow you need to have in your quiver, as I like to say. Know how to do it. Uh, you'll find a lot of midges coming off in flat water, too, that's moving. Flatter water, meaning a little bit less gradient. Uh, you'll have some of that, too. So that's a good good opportunity to practice your casting and stealth presentation and good soft drops with your dry fly with a midge under it casting techniques try to drop that midge and try to make that fly that dry fly that's that's holding that midge up as it goes in the water the midge will hit try to get that dry to hit right in about the same area or if you do it just right you can set it down right in the area where the midge hits first uh that's a that's a good thing to to look at so if you can get yourself doing those types of things with midges in that type of water, then you'll be a better fisherman. You'll be a better angler. You'll be better at your craft. You'll you'll have another arrow in your quiver. So I highly recommend, uh, as conditions let you, midges are a good place to start. Nymphs, through 
light nymphs through riffles. You don't always have to use a tungsten bead. You could actually tie a nymph. This is going to be crazy, but you can tie a nymph without a bead on it. Uh, some people are freaking out right now, but you can do that. Uh, and if you want to run those through the riffles too, I tell you a good place to uh, a good place to do that is there's a lot of water on the Hiawassee that's that way that the riffles are kind of variable, not a lot of gradient, but still riffles, riffly. You can fish dry droppers there, and uh, with with midges and uh, or with uh, sorry with nymphs under a bigger dry fly. And the nymphs don't have to have, like I said, they don't have to have that bead on there. And they'll get hung up a little less, and the fish will be in there feeding around. They'll see those nymphs because there's a lot of bigger bugs up there, a lot of good bugs on the Hiawassee from time to time. So if you can catch that, that's a great way to great way to spend the day. So that's another one. Of course, you can always put the bead, the split shot, and, and fish those deeper runs. Bigger water is probably where we fish more streamers. So... As the water gets bigger, so generation releases, uh, big, fa bigger falling water, like the first hour or so after the first 45 minutes or an hour or so after the generation peaks and is turned off. Those are good streamer opportunities. Fish still looking for uh, smaller fish to eat. Uh, cannibalism uh, is a good thing in the fish world, apparently. They must taste good is all I can think of. But uh we fish that so streamers on bigger water is good. You need to be careful if you're wading in the winter trying to fish streamers on bigger water because that bigger water is dangerous. And if you fall in and it's 30 degrees or 35 degrees or yeah, I fished in 6 degrees before 8 degrees, you do not want to fall in. So be careful out there. Even a 50-degree day is cold if the water is, you know, 50, 45, 50. If you just uh, listen to the – if you haven't listened to the podcast, the last episode was – um. It's not, it isn't Disneyland. Uh, and if you haven't heard that, you need to go back and listen to that. Just some of the stuff that, that we get into out there when we're fishing. Uh, and, and in the general, in, in the outdoors in general, I mean, life comes at you fast, right? It's, uh, to say the least. So if you haven't listened to that one, you might go back and you'll kind of get an idea of why I say be careful out there. Uh, because it's, uh, things can happen fast uh, out in the outdoors. All right, so moving on. Olivia, Olivia stopped me the other day and asked me at the ramp, uh, her and her husband, I guess, were there. I assume that was her husband. Would you rather fish for stockfish, like a little bit larger stockfish, or smaller natural fish? Boy, this is a good one. This is good. We had a long conversation about it, but I, I'll rehash the conversation. It was a, this question can trap you if you're not careful, and I'm not going to get trapped because I don't have the time or the energy to argue about it but i will talk about it and we've got a podcast coming up on stockfish here and it's with a, a guy that i have fished with a couple of different times we both have fished the smokies he's he's got it in the smokies and as y'all know i've fished in the smokies and he's currently managing a trout hatchery and we had we were having a big a, a pretty good discussion on stockfish now We've both fished for natural fish, uh, some of the smaller natural fish in the Smokies and that sort of thing, and we love that. But we also understand that there are more opportunities out there if you take more in. For instance, you can you can we can drive from here in Middle Tennessee. I can be in the Smokies in about three hours and be fishing, or I can drive about sixty five minutes and be fishing for stockfish, or 
I can go to, I can drive about 30 minutes and fish for bluegill and some smallmouth, not a ton, but some sm- smallmouth. Or I can drive about an hour, get to some really good smallmouth water. Or I can drive about, I don't know, an hour and a half or so and get to musky water. So I say this, don't limit your, don't put yourself in a box. Don't limit yourself to what you can catch because fishing with the fly rod is really unlimited. You can fish for carp, uh, stock trout, natural trout. Uh, you can go out west and fish for bigger natural trout. You can fish for musky. You can go up down south uh, to Louisiana, Florida, South Carolina, fish for redfish. Uh, you can wade some of those places, especially in South Carolina. You can get some decent places to wade over there. Uh, or you can go out on a boat, tarpon. There's just a lot of things. So the question really of would you rather fish for stock fish or nat- smaller natural fish, the answer to that is both. I like to fish for both. Uh, most of my friends like to fish for both. Most of the folks in the Southeast aren't really caught up in that whole, I have to fish for natural fish bullcrap. Most of them are, are pretty flexible. But you start getting out west where where natural fish are more available and then you start getting into that i only fish for natural fish why are you used to why would you fish for stock fish they're just whatever hang on you know why would you fish for a snit why would you fish for pellet pigs like down in georgia why would y'all do that well because it's available and we like to fish so don't don't back yourself into a corner that you can't get out of look at everything as an opportunity to to go fish and to to uh if nothing else to see new water i love to see new water from time to time because you know you sit on the same four or five rivers all the time and they don't get old but they do get familiar i would say and often people say what's your favorite river it's the one i haven't been on in a couple of weeks that's my favorite one uh because i feel like well maybe i'm missing something or i've seen that same fish by that same rock for 10 trips in a row and you know, I know that if I was on another river, I would see something a little different. So you can't really gauge that by somebody that guides as good as you can by by somebody that just is really looking for a favorite river. My favorite river, the Yampa. I love the Yampa. So anyway, there's a, there's a podcast about that too. We've got an episode back that we talked with Andy Janowski about uh, the Yampa. It was a great episode, probably because I was familiar with it and I'm ready to go back out there. That It was so much fun to... It was fun to fish with with Andy, and we just had a great day, and lots of things happened, lots of good things happened. So would you rather fish for stock fish or smaller natural fish? Uh, yeah, like I said, both. But uh, So anyway, all right. Well, that is, I don't know how much time that's been, but uh, I'm going to go grab some fly tying material and start tying up some stuff. It's the wintertime time off, but the work doesn't seem to stop. I've got a seat to mount in the boat, and then probably about, 10 or 15 dozen flies patterns to tie so that we'll have some fly tie flies to tie next to use next year we've got a shad kill that's just around the corner cicada season's coming up we're already uh booking dates for that uh so if you're looking for a if you're looking for a cicada trip with anybody you probably need to go ahead and get on their calendar just saying that pretty much all of my friends are starting to get booked up we're getting booked up so it's gonna be 
you wait till the last minute, it's going to be hard to get uh, on a boat or get a guide that'll really hopefully be able to help you out. So remember, join us on Southeastern Fly Podcast by Southeastern Fly on Facebook. Join the group. We'll let you in. Follow us on Instagram under Southeastern Fly. You can support the podcast and the work we hear, do here with a purchase from southeasternfly.com. Just drop in there, go to the store, make a purchase. Like I said, might want to think about getting one shirt size larger if you get a T-shirt. Not kidding either. Uh, I don't think it's because I've gained a lot of weight. I think that they just run a little bit small, uh, especially after you wash them. But they're good shirts and they've got some what we would consider some cool things. And you can rep Southeastern Fly if you want to. That'd be awesome. Thanks, everyone, who has supported us this season. This has been a good season. We've added these mid-month podcasts, and uh, hopefully they're helping. Uh, hopefully they're not hurting your fishing. I don't think they are. But for all the folks that have supported us, all the kind emails, all the people I see on the river, thank you. Uh, I don't. It's hard to recognize everybody that's on the river, but please continue to tell me who you are because we all, like I say, we all dress the same. We all look the same out there, and uh, it's hard to tell who we are i can't even figure out who i am sometimes so anyway uh really appreciate all the help all the people that have bought uh stuff from the store to support the podcast and if you see me on the river please say hi but uh again thanks a lot and uh see you in 2024 thanks for listening to the southeastern fly podcast see you next time